Hey, it's Marisa from the Tower Hill production team. Thank you so much for listening into our Tower Hill podcast. Whenever or wherever you're listening, we hope this podcast blesses you, and we hope that you feel free to share it with someone that you know so that they'll feel blessed too. Well, it is springtime, which means graduation ceremonies for all those from kindergarten to college and maybe even beyond. And this time is filled with ceremonies. But these ceremonies are not just old tradition. If you've been to any kind of um, graduation ceremony from the young to the old, they're actually really, really cool, symbolic and meaningful events. At my local elementary school, there's a really cool ceremony they do for the graduating fifth graders called the clap out. And the clap out is on the last day of school at the very end of the day when everyone gets on the bus, the entire school lines the hallways and just cheers just as loud and crazy as they can and claps as the fifth graders walk down the hallway onto the bus for the very last time. And there is not a dry eye on any one of those fifth graders. It's so meaningful to them, to the bystander. Ooh, it's a noisy mess. But if you are involved, it is so deep and meaningful to experience that exit and that catharsis in that way. Ceremonies have such a deeper meaning than the actual activity itself. And this is true for Holy Week. From Palm Sunday to Easter Sunday, each ceremony means something to all involved. And on Palm Sunday, Jesus coming into town when and how he did it, it's worth a deeper look. So let's check it out right now. Hey everyone, happy Palm Sunday. It is so good to be with you today, even if it's just by video. Uh, Palm Sunday is one of my favorite Sundays of the year. And the reason I'm not here is because I get the opportunity to officiate a wedding of someone who used to be in my youth group when I was a youth pastor. So it was one of these opportunities uh, that I couldn't pass up. But what I want to talk about today has everything to do with the importance of ceremony, like a wedding ceremony. You know, it's funny how there's a lot of things as I get older that I can't remember. (laughs) But the things that I can remember have a lot to do with ceremony. I remember the important ceremonies that happened in my life. So much so, I can even remember my kindergarten ceremony when I graduated kindergarten. I don't even understand how. But ceremonies are memorable because they celebrate these important passages of time, these milestones that we accomplish in our lives. And of course, you know, thinking about my graduation and all the symbolism in that, right? We wear the academic robes and you move the tassel from one side to the next. I remember that distinctly, that uh, I was, something had happened in that ceremony, that I went from being an undergrad to a graduate. Or in my wedding ceremony, you know, talking about weddings, that there's so much symbolism and ritual that all has a deeper and important meaning. The, the rings, the wedding dress, the groomsmen and the bridesmaids and the unity candle and all the different things of the service that have very special and important symbolic meaning uh, as they honor that particular moment, this wedding. I remember that distinctly. Uh, I also remember this time when I gave a rose to a girl that I wanted to continue to see. I, I that, that wasn't me. No, but even, even the bachelor, right? Even the bachelor, the rose ceremony has very important meaning. It means that, oh my gosh, I like really like you. And you, and you get to continue on this journey with me. Anyway, 
Um, ceremonies have really important meaning and value. In fact, they're symbolic that there's something deeper going on. In other words, the ceremony doesn't exist for its own sake. It exists to point us to a deeper truth. And as we go into Palm Sunday, what we're really celebrating is there was a Jewish festival happening at the time of Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. And it was the festival of the Passover. And what we discover is as we dig into some of the ceremony of the Passover, we start to understand what Jesus meant when he said, said and did certain things and what that means for us as we live our faith now. So let's jump into the whole back in the ancient Near East time of Jesus, time of religious festivals in Jerusalem. And Passover was one of the big ones. I love this image here of the temple. This is a, a model that somebody made of ancient Jerusalem with the temple at its center. And I love this model because it really helps you visualize what it looked like or what it may have looked like back in the time of Jesus. And really what you notice is the temple where God is present, God's house, God's dwelling place, is at the highest point of the city and all the rest of the city is scattered beneath it. And every time um, there would be a religious festival like Passover, pilgrims from all over the ancient Near East would come in order to celebrate at the temple, which was the center of their understanding of God. So there was a lot of ritual, there was a lot of ceremony involved in doing this. And you know this already from what you know of Passover in the meal, that there's ceremonial food that's meant to point to some deeper truth about God and what he had done for his people. One of the interesting ceremonies that used to happen when you'd come in to celebrate Passover is the whole idea of a ritual washing, a cleansing, a purification. And it wasn't necessarily about physical washing. It was meant to be spiritual, that you were to be made ceremonially clean before you begin the Passover ritual, before you begin the Passover process. And so, interestingly, um, what they found as they've, Uh, done the archaeology of ancient Jerusalem is that in these different homes they found these bathing pools called mikvah. The idea of a mikvah it was uh, a place almost think like a modern day hot tub but without the bubbles is that it was about that size and you would go through a ceremonial washing to purify yourself to prepare yourself to celebrate Passover for example. And so they found these pools in the archaeology. It's really cool, these mikvah. And if you were a pilgrim, you'd probably come to stay with family who lived in Jerusalem, and you would use the mikvah uh, as your purification prior to the ceremony. Now, there were some very specific things about the water in the mikvah that, that are important. It couldn't be stagnant water. In other words, it couldn't just be sitting there forever, you know, like water that gathers in your basement. It it had to be what they called living water, water that was moving, that was flowing. Uh, Stagnant water, you know, think of like a pond or something that has scum on the top of it. It's it's considered to be dead water as opposed to living water, which is poured out, it's flowing. And and there were rules about how you could fill your mikvah. You had to do it by pouring it out and you take it from a place that hopefully has a stream or a spring-fed body of water, this living, flowing water. Now, If you didn't have a mikvah, you would come into town and you would need to make use of a public mikvah, which there were different pools around Jerusalem that served in this way or could serve in this way. Like, for example, 
the Pool of Siloam. The Pool of Siloam we hear about in Scripture is a place where people who are sick and hurting, they're gathering around the pool hoping to be what? Made clean. Again, not necessarily a physical cleansing, although sometimes, but really it had to do with spiritual cleansing. In fact, back in Jesus' day, they thought that the whole reason people got sick was a spiritual reason, not necessarily a physical reason. So it made sense that they would be hanging around these pools. And if you look at this map view of the city, you can see the Pool of Siloam was located outside of the temple, of the actual temple, so that when you were clean, then you would make your way to the temple. You would probably purchase animals, unless you brought some with you, to be used in sacrifice during the festival. And uh, we'll come back to that in a minute, because Jesus uh, immediately confronts the people who are selling these animals, and who are known as the money changers, those who are kind of exchanging your foreign currency uh, for the real currency of Jerusalem, and they were kind of robbing people. They saw this as a business opportunity, let's say. But anyway, the Pool of Siloam, then you, you would be made clean, you'd make your way to the temple. Interestingly, John 11, 55 and 56, captures what was going on at this time. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, many went up from the country to Jerusalem for this ceremonial cleansing before the Passover. And this instance, it says, they kept looking for Jesus, and as they stood in the temple courts, they asked one another, what do you think? Isn't he coming to the festival at all? Why would they be asking that question? Well, the thing about Jesus is he too was a pilgrim during these religious festivals. The times that we see him in the Gospel of John, for example, he keeps making his way back to Jerusalem to be part of whatever festival is going on. And every time he goes, something amazing happens. He's healing people. He's, uh, he's talking out against the Jewish authorities. He's, he's challenging them. He's got a bit of a reputation. And in fact, so much so that they're looking for him. They're like, okay, we're at the temple. Is Jesus here yet? Where is he? Do you think he's coming? Why? I want to see what he's going to do next. I want to see what he's going to say next. Have you heard that he heals people? Have you heard him teach about uh, what it means to, uh, to live a life of faith? Have you heard him teach about his interpretation of the law, of all these things? You know, They were really anticipating his coming, which is why when he does come, as we call it Palm Sunday, as he comes entering the city, they're ready for him and they're waiting to give him, quite literally, the royal treatment. So Jesus comes in quite famously, and they're waving palms. We get this wonderful scene of them waving palms and laying their cloaks on the ground, which is something that they did only for kings. And the other piece, which is interesting, is uh, not only did they do this for kings, but the kind of animal a king rode said a lot about the king's intentions. So for example, if the king came in riding a war horse, that would have a much different meaning than riding a donkey, which was a symbol of peace and humility. So Jesus, the king, rides in on this, what is known as the triumphal entry. I want to read that for you now. This is from Mark chapter 11. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. 
Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Now to be sure, there was a lot of meaning and symbolism in this moment as well. This ceremony, if you will, of Jesus coming into town, riding on the foal of a donkey. And so Jesus gets the royal treatment as he comes in, the one true king. And interestingly, they're they're shouting out Hosanna, which means God save us. And they're calling out to him. And it feels like they they have a lot of faith in him already. And we don't really know until his crucifixion just how much of that is ceremony and how much of that really points to the deeper meaning. I know for us, 2,000 years removed, we can look at that ceremony of his riding into the city of Jerusalem and we see the symbolic meaning written all over it because, well, we're on the other side of the resurrection. But let's get back to Jesus and what he does when he comes into town. So he too goes directly to the temple. And it says in Matthew 21 that he went to the temple courts and he drove out all who were buying and selling there because they were cheating people. And he thought this was inappropriate to be in the presence of God at the temple and to be behaving in this way. And likewise, it says the blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. Why did he do that? Well, because he was making sure everybody was clean if they were going to be in the presence of God. Just like being made ceremonially clean, he was actually making them clean as they were around the dwelling place of God, the temple. Then during the Passover in John's gospel, we get this amazing scene, which is different than the other three gospels. The other three gospels, we get a last supper. But in John's gospel, we get a foot washing. And I want you to pay close attention to what Jesus is doing here, because this relates in every way to the idea of mikvah. Of being made clean. So I'll read that for you now. This is John 13. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you'll understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? I love that question. Jesus is the master at asking the haunting question. (laughs) Or, Or to ask the question that we don't even understand at the time, but maybe we understand later. Do you understand what I have done for you? Honestly, I feel like my whole life's quest has been about answering that question. Do I really understand what Jesus had done for me? But what did Jesus just do in that moment? He did something that would have been unheard of. Many of you have heard this story before, and you know that washing the feet of your guests at the Passover meal, or any important meal for that matter, would have been done by a servant, not by the guest of honor. This was way out of character in their society for Jesus to get on his hands and knees and to wash his disciples' feet. But you notice when when Peter begins to object and Jesus says, no, 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 if I don't do this, you have no part with me. And then at the end, do you understand what I've done for you? So 
he was taking it to another level. He was, through the ceremony, pointing to a deeper truth. That is Jesus himself, who in scripture is known as what? The living water. The one who is the eternal flowing water of God. The one who makes everyone clean. He washed his disciples' feet. He removed their uncleanliness from the presence of God. That Jesus alone has the power to do what only God can do. Not only are they made clean in ceremony, they are made clean in spirit. Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. So what does that mean for us? As we look into Palm Sunday and the literal pomp and circumstance of the ceremonies that we have around this important day, the beginning of Holy Week, what deeper truth does it point to? What's the story behind the symbols that we are meant to take from Jesus' triumphal entry and the foot washing with his disciples? Well, I think a couple of things. The first is that Jesus is the one who makes us clean so we can approach the presence of God. As we know, God doesn't live in temples made by human hands, at least not anymore. He lives in the temple of our hearts because of what Jesus did on the cross. Jesus gave us access in a way that human beings never had before. And the only way that we have access, that access to God that he dwells from the inside out of us, is we have to be made clean in the presence of God. Jesus has to forgive the sins that we've committed because those sins will always stand in the way of God's presence. Like the money changers at the temple, he has to get rid of all that so that we can be in the presence of God. Jesus is the one who makes us clean. And I would say as an aside, any religious ceremony that we participate in is only as good as the Jesus we believe in. I think the second part, and and this is the real hope of a relationship with Jesus, I think, is that Jesus brings healing to our lives. Just like the beggars and the lame and those who are hurting, hanging around the pool of Siloam, hoping to be healed, we don't have to hope. One way or another, we are healed in Jesus Christ. Now, it doesn't mean that I'll never have low back pain or I'll never get sick. I mean, human life is still human life. But we can say is this, is that from the inside out, Jesus is all about healing us. And he does that once we've been made clean, once we come into his presence and say, yes, I believe in what you did for me. I'm giving you a triumphal entry into my heart. I'm waving the palm branches and laying down the cloaks and saying, welcome, King of Kings, Hosanna, save us. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus brings healing to our lives. And then third, is that Jesus secures our triumphal entry into the kingdom of God. You know, if we believe that Jesus was a sacrifice for us, here's what this means. It means that at the divine bar of judgment, when the accuser is going after us in God's courtroom, let's say, accusing us of all of our past sin, it is Jesus who says, I'm going to stand in place of this defendant. So that anything that you accuse them of, you are accusing me. And when that happens, Jesus, he already paid the price of all of that sin. So all that sin has been forgiven and redeemed. And so when the accuser sees us or starts accusing us, all God sees is his son. I know that's a really deep thought, but this is the truth. 
that we are riding on that donkey with Jesus into the kingdom of God. Because when God the Father sees us, he sees his son because of faith in what he did on the cross. Jesus secures our triumphal entry into the kingdom of God. So Palm Sunday, it's such a big day in the life of the church. It's also fun. And today you're going to have endless pancakes to celebrate. It's going to be a lot of celebration going on. And all the kids are looking forward to that, and maybe a few of the adults. But what I want to do is land on this one question. I think this is the burning question that we should all be thinking about this week as we lean toward Easter, and that is this. It's Jesus' questions right to us. Imagine Jesus is looking you straight in the eye and asking you, do you understand what I've done for you? All ceremony aside, yes, the ceremony helps us to remember. All symbolism aside, all the religious symbolism that you know of with the palms, do you really understand what I've done for you? That I have made you clean. As we focus on that this week, my prayer for you and for me is that we would take it to heart. That we would understand more and more the sacrifice of Jesus so that we might triumph. I pray that you have a blessed Holy Week. We'll see you. We have services on Thursday. There's a community Good Friday service. And then, of course, we'll see you on Easter morning. May God bless you this week. Thank you.